The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com. This is Barron's Live. Each weekday, we bring you live conversations from our newsrooms about what's moving the market right now. On this podcast, we take you inside those conversations, the stories, the ideas, and the stocks to watch so you can invest smarter. Now, let's dial in. Hello, everyone. Uh, I'm Stephen Kutz, one of the managing editors at, uh, Mark, at MarketWatch. Today, I'm talking with my colleague, Leslie Albrecht, Deputy Personal Finance Editor at MarketWatch. Welcome back to Barron's Live, uh, Leslie, and thanks for being here. Uh, thank you, Stephen. Hello, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you, everyone, for joining. Um, well, why don't we get right into it? We're here to discuss your new column, Financial Face-Off, which helps people make financial decisions. Um, I'm a big fan of these. You handle them really well. Uh, they're really thoughtful. Uh, they, and there's a lot of nuance, um, and you include advice from a lot of experts. Um, so thanks for writing these. Uh, I think they will help me personally. <laughs> um, so uh, what made you want to start the column? Yeah, so um, in case you don't know, if you're just joining us for the first, if you're a new Market Watch reader, um, Financial Faceoff is a column we started about like two months ago, I guess, um, where we look at an either-or financial decision, like um, should you take your Social Security benefits sooner or later, um, and the idea is that um, we realized that there were there's a lot of you know decisions that come up in life uh, around finances and we wanted to give people kind of a simple way of looking at these decisions and evaluating them um, that kind of mixes the like strictly financial aspects with also some kind of emotional uh, side uh, questions as well yeah so I know you've written quite a few at this point. Um, which ones have gotten the biggest response from readers? Um, well, uh, so this is interesting. And this was actually a real lesson about um, what Market Watch readers are interested in and passionate about. Um, you might think it would be something about uh, meme stocks or crypto or mm -hmm. Elon Musk um, or any of the other uh, flashy financial news topics that we delve into. But actually, um, the column about when to claim your Social Security retirement benefits got an unbelievable response. Um, I got dozens of emails. I don't know, I would say like 50, probably. Um, people wrote in about their own situations and what they had done. Um, people sent me spreadsheets about their calculations <laughs> on, how, on how they made this decision. Um, so it was a really kind of an eye-opening experience for me because it really taught me that like um, even these seemingly mundane questions um, really bring up a lot of issues for people. Um, and I think like for that, for that one in particular, social security, um, and the question of when to take those benefits, it really touches on a lot of issues, including our own mortality, because one of the questions that you have to think about is like, how long are you expecting to live? Uh, and what kind of life do you want to have towards your golden years? So I think that's maybe one of the reasons why people were so um, passionate about it. Um, and I thank all of the readers who wrote in about it. I really appreciate it. Um, and I think it's great when people respond to stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. So 
Uh, what have you learned about making financial decisions yourself since uh, doing the column? <laughs> um, well, it's funny. I went into this thinking like, okay, well, you know, we need to have like um, charts that show like the, uh, the, the exact financial calculations you should make for each of these decisions. And then we can like, um, then readers can add it up and see like which one is the better money move, you know? Um, but I quickly realized <laughs> that these decisions are really um, emotional in nature often. And um, they really boil down to um, your, they can sometimes boil down to your personality type. I think we'll get to that later when we talk about one of these. Um, but I think um, the other interesting thing is that like, a financial advisor who I was talking to early on said to me, like, the answer to every single financial question is it depends. <laughs> um, it depends. <laughs> it depends on what your financial picture is and what stage of life you're at and how much savings you have and that kind of thing. So I think what we try to do is kind of like suss out for people. What are the factors they should think about when they're making these decisions? Um, but I think like one thing that's important to keep in mind is that you you need to make a decision that you're comfortable with and that if you don't do that, that's going to lead to angst and unhappiness. And that could actually like, um, you know, lead to bad outcomes in the long run. So just because you can afford to do something doesn't necessarily mean you should do it if you're not comfortable with it. Yeah, it's a good point. I, I love how, uh, how much nuance you get into these because um, it is uh, usually complicated and, psychological emotional all kinds of things but has there been have there been anywhere it was pretty clear-cut yes or no <laughs> yeah. yeah so um we did one around you may remember that um around uh actually there was a super bowl ad about um how you can get your uh tax refund in cryptocurrency this year i think it was a coinbase ad but i'm not sure can't remember exactly but um and then also at the same time, um, it, uh, we were thinking about how you can also get your tax, you can use your tax refund to buy I-bonds. Anyway, so around tax time, we were like, let's do one on um, getting your tax refund in crypto versus using it um, to buy I-bonds. Um, and that one was a pretty clear cut um, situation where there was a clear choice that made better financial sense. Um, and I know crypto is kind of a, it's a controversial topic, but I mean, if you, for example, if you had gotten your, if you had used your refund to buy Bitcoin on tax day on April 17th, then that was, Bitcoin was worth around $40,000. Then it's now down to 31,000. Um, whereas I bonds, the new initial interest rate on I bonds, um, which are bonds you buy from the US government is now 9.62%. Uh, um, and just a little tip there, you can buy bonds at that rate through October, of this year, so I can't tell you to do, can't tell you to do that, but I would you know look into it. I think it's like um, yeah, the the I bonds. Uh, thanks to Market Watch, I know about them, but it, they seem too good to be true. But apparently, they are not. They are as good as advertised. Yeah, um, yeah. I didn't. I didn't. I, I will admit, I did not know about I bonds before I got yes, into this topic. But we've had a lot of really good coverage about it, actually. Um, if you if, totally. if you're unfamiliar with I bonds, check out our retirement section because we have some really good stories about them. Yeah, it's it's a, an amazing rate you can get right now. Um, uh, well, we're, we're going to get into some specific columns. So, what are uh, some ideas you have for future future columns? Uh, 
Oh, okay. So this is a good one. I think, I mean, and also I just want to encourage people, like if you have financial questions that you're facing in your own life, please get in touch with me because I'm always looking for topics for financial face-off. Um, but what I did with, when I started this column was I just, I like polled a bunch of financial advisors and said, what are the questions that your clients are bringing to you that you see over and over again? Um, and um, I even talked to some financial therapists about this too. Um, and one advisor had some really good ideas, um, which I'm hoping to get to in the near future. Um, she suggested, is it better to get married or just stay cohabitating? Uh, which I think is interesting. Um, is it better to combine your finances or maintain separate accounts? Um, her take was that you should, that like each person should always keep a little bit of money that is their own money, which I thought was interesting. Um, so what we can explore that. I don't know. Who knows what the answer will be. Um, and a market watch reporter actually suggested one on electric cars versus gas guzzler cars. Uh, Cause I, that's an interesting one that has like, you know, kind of global benefits versus personal benefits, I think. Um, someone suggested one on helping kids choose college. Is it better to go with the best school or the cheapest school? Um, and is it better to, when you're saving for college, use a 529 or a Roth IRA? I don't know. We should, we'll find out. Um, one, one that uh, somebody suggested I thought was good was, um, should you owe taxes or should you get a tax refund? Um, and the advisor who suggested that pointed out that, that there's like the technically correct CPA answer, meaning like people will always say like, oh, you shouldn't get a refund because you're giving a interest free loan to the government when you do that. But then as she pointed out, there's like the psychological know yourself answer. Um, and then another good one that I'd like to do is someone suggested one on passion versus money, which means do you work in a job that you're passionate about? Or do you sell out and, you know, don't make very much money? Or do you sell out and make a ton of money? Wow, you have columns for months. <laughs> and so many good ones. And uh, quite a few there that uh, I, I could use help with. Um, all right, let's get into some of the specific columns. So you had one, is it better to lease or buy a car? I loved, um, you quote someone in there who says, if you have commitment issues, you should lease. So it really gets into the behavioral uh, economics uh, of, of it all. So talk a little about that one. Yeah, that was a good one. Actually, I think that was the first one we did, I think. Um, because, and the reason I wanted to do it is because it was something that like comes up, like people, I don't know, in, in casual conversations with friends, I've, I've heard people be like, is it better to buy or lease? Yeah. Um, so, uh, and the other, the reason that I wanted to do that one was because um, car prices have been so elevated um, during the pandemic. So it's like, it kind of changed the calculus on this one a little bit. Um, but I thought it was interesting that um, some, so, so like mathematically in the long run, it's better to just buy a car, own it, and then build a little equity in it and then um, sell it. Uh, you're gonna pay more over the long run if you're leasing uh, because your, your monthly payment is gonna eventually, um, you know, out outstrip the amount of money that you would have, um, that you're that you would have spent on buying so but i think like what was interesting is that people brought up kind of these personality factors like 
if you're someone who really likes to want to have new things in your life and things that are like clean and nice and new, then you should consider leasing. Like if that's a very important thing to you, um, you should consider leasing because you always get a new car uh, with all the bells and whistles every, you know, 18 months or whenever your lease is up. Um, so I, that was that was an interesting one to me. Um, and yeah, the guy who said, if you have commitment issues in any <laughs> area of your life, <laughs> you should think about leasing. I think, I mean, like that, that, like, that goes back and like somebody else pointed, I didn't put this in the story, but like somebody else pointed out to me that like you, some people have um, like, and she was, she felt that this was not wise, but she was saying that like some people say that there's like, a, there's an image they want to present to the world. And so it's important to them to have a new car because they feel like it reflects on them. Um, and I think that, that's like, that's an, you know, like they were saying that, um, that if they if you're in sales and you're trying and you have clients and you're trying to like be impressive, then a new car might be good in that respect. Um, that's that I don't, I'm not saying I agree with that. I'm just saying like, that's one reason why people might want to consider leasing. Um, especially if you can write off that expense as a business expense. So, yeah, there's so many, uh, examples there where it's not just what's the best deal financially with that one. Um, we're going to keep going through these, but I do want to, uh, everyone watching, feel free to ask a question and, uh, we'll have our expert Leslie. <laughs> Give you an answer. Um, oh, this one at first uh, uh, didn't seem like the others, but it was a very good one. Is it better to get a dog or a cat? Oh, yeah. <laughs> this, I, I wanted to do this one because I wanted to sort of demonstrate that, like, um, you can you can make a financial argument about any kind of choice, that, that even one that's not immediately a financial choice. Um, I don't think... I mean, most people, when they're getting a cat or a dog, they're probably not thinking about what's the financial ramification. Although they should, they should, because I learned during my reporting in this that like people vastly underestimate how much money it costs to have a pet. Um, and it can really cost a lot. Uh, actually, dog owners, <clears throat> I learned during this, um, can spend up to $10,000 a year. I think that's like the extreme. Um, you know, if you're getting like lots of toys and special treats and classes, enrichment classes for your dog. Um, but, uh, cats are cheaper because they're smaller and they eat less food and they require less maintenance. Um, they are self-grooming. Um, and so those are like arguments in favor of a cat. However, another factor is that <laughs> dogs, uh, cats live longer. So even though the yearly cat costs of a cat are cheaper, you might end up spending more money in the long run because the cat, the cat lives for 16 years, you're shelling out all that money and the dog only lives for nine years, which is terrible. And I feel bad about talking about like, <laughs> dead pets uh, because pets are great. So, but I, in the end, I came down to, um, I, my verdict was actually to get a dog. Um, and it wasn't about the money. It was about the other things that a dog can bring you. Um, when I was thinking about, about this, I thought about how like, you know, even though cats are wonderful and um, I talked to a lot of great cat people when I was writing this, um, I think dogs do something for you that um, they have a lot of fringe benefits to them. One is that they they make you go outside and being outside um, has studies show <laughs> uh, that it's good for your brain to be outside. That help makes you happier and less stressed out. 
Um, they also make you exercise because you got to take the dog for a walk. So that's good, um, which also is good for your brain and your health. And they also make you interact with other people. And I feel like, uh, you know, this is it's a little mushy to say this, but I feel like, you know, so the country is highly divided. And um, right now it's like a good time to be interacting with your neighbors and building these like loose bonds between you and your neighbors. So that's why I figured dogs are a better return on investment. Um, <laughs> Some readers did not agree with me, and <laughs> I got some interesting. <laughs> I got some interesting responses from this one. Actually, a couple of readers pointed out. More than one reader pointed out that um, cats provide pest control, which I had not thought of, and I admit that I forgot about that. One person wrote in, and they were like, "I have a cat, and they live in an aircraft hangar, and they kill all the mice in an aircraft mm -hmm. hangar." I did not. I don't know why this person Price, priceless. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then this other guy wrote in from Overland Park, Kansas, and he said that um, cats are better because they can kill rats and snakes, especially poisonous snakes, and that dogs will get bit by the snake. So, um, <laughs> get bit by snake. so that I mean, that that's actually that's a real I mean, if a vet bill on a snake bite, I can imagine would be like um, astronomical. So um, that's the, those are some um, little known financial benefits to cat ownership that um, that we learned from doing that one. Well, the, your, your answer shows uh, how multifaceted these are <laughs> and, and nuanced. So we're getting some good questions. Uh -oh. Ready? Yeah. Here's one from Hal. Uh, here's a question. Um, uh, should I buy a second home uh, for and use it as an Airbnb rental or an investment apartment for long-term leasing? Uh, I don't know if you want to answer these now or, or take them into consideration <laughs> well, for a piece of column. I, that's a good um, yeah. Okay. So that's actually, that's a really, um, wait, so they want to know if they should buy a second home and, and use it as, as an Airbnb rental or. An yeah. As a, as an investment property. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, I mean, typically, you know, I don't, I'm not a, um, certified financial planner. So what I do when I get these questions is I like talk to people who are authorities on these, these questions, and then um, I get them to answer. So in this case, I don't know, I'd have to talk to some experts, but I will say um, that touches on some interesting, the whole, the second home question, I think is an interesting one. And I think one person suggested um, the idea of, should you use your, your saved up money to get a second home or should you just use it to travel? Uh, which I thought was kind of a neat um, idea. But um, on Airbnb, I will say that we recently uh, wrote a story about um, Airbnb hosts and how many of them make money off of their rentals and which cities are the most um, lucrative in terms of making money off of Airbnb rentals. And I do not remember exactly what the cities were. Um, but if you look on marketwatch.com, <laughs> you will find that story. Hold on. I'm going to, let's see. Uh, one of them, three U.S. states had the best return on your investment there. And it was, oh, California, Florida, and Texas. So that makes sense. People want to go to California and Florida and Texas. They have good breakfast burritos. So, um. <laughs> good weather and good breakfast burritos. Yeah. Um, you ready for another question? Oh, sure, sure. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I like this one. It's something I've thought about recently. From Lee. Uh, I think this is an interesting area. Uh, when a surgeon suggests you need uh, a procedure, um, is it smart? 
to see a physical therapist or trainer or someone like that first before having surgery. Um, a lot of my friends don't even consider physical therapy. Um, they just take the doctor's word and have the surgery. Uh, that is a good one. And uh, I'm often surprised insurance isn't better about physical therapy. It seems to prevent huge bills for them and uh, for everyone. Yeah, actually, that's that's a really interesting question. Yeah. Um, and we've written a lot in the personal finance section here at Market Watch about um, essentially like the, the lack of knowledge and transparency around how much medical procedures cost. Um, like doctors themselves don't know how much things are going to cost often um, because they're very removed from the process of billing. Um, and also very few um, patients actually do comparison shopping um, when they are um, told that they need a medical procedure. So I think like approaching it from, yeah, thinking about that a recommendation for surgery from a financial perspective is um, is a good idea. Um, and that's that's interesting. I, I've never written about physical therapy versus surgery before, so it's not a topic that I know, but I would I would look into that. Um, that's a really good one. And I think depending on your injury, you know, there's probably statistics on how certain shoulder injuries or certain things that you can have a, a pretty uh, a good chance of fixing it without surgery. Yeah, I guess it depends on um, how old you like, are. Like all of your columns, it depends on a lot of factors. <laughs> it depends. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, it's like it, it depends on like how old you are, what your physical, um, you know, level of activity is. Um, yeah, that's, a, that's, a, that's an interesting one. I'll write that yeah, that's down. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, here's another one from Steve, not me, another Steve. Um, what is a good age to retire? Should you retire at 65 or before 65, assuming you can afford it? Um, I will say, and maybe Leslie will say the same, we have an incredible uh, column called Help Me Retire, where people write in with this, uh, similar to your question, but with even more information, how much money they have, how much is left in their mortgage. You can get really specific. And our colleague, Ali uh, Melito, does an incredible job of giving you uh, uh, advice, uh, tailored just for you. Um, yeah. Yeah. But Leslie, you might have something to say about this based on your Social Security uh, face off. Yeah, I think um, so. Yes, I also want to put in a plug for our retirement section um, and the columns that they do there and also the very cool tool that we have um, that where you can like punch in different um, traits that you want in in the town where you want to retire and they'll help, they'll give you a recommendation about what town is good for you. Um, but yeah, this question kind of brings up one of the points that came up when I was reporting the um, the one on when to claim social security benefits. Uh, and that like, there's an interesting sort of math to that. And then there are other aspects to it. And for example, so basically the deal is, and I didn't know this before I started working on this column, but um, the earlier you claim social security benefits, the, the less money you get every month. So like if you um, if you were born in 1960 and your average annual income is 50,000 bucks, then you would get around $1,300 a month at age 62 if you decided to retire then uh, and claim Social Security then. But if you waited until 67, you'd get $1,900 a month. And if you waited until 70, you'd get $2,370 a month. So when I first read that, I was like, oh, well, you should wait, you know, like, because you'll get more money then. Um, but... 
a lot of people who I spoke to pointed out that, um, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. Um, and if your health or mobility takes a turn for the worse, um, you might run into a situation where you're sitting around waiting and then you don't actually get to enjoy that money. Um, and so some people argued for taking it sooner, especially if um, you're one argument for taking it sooner is that you um, you would be less likely to have to like dip into other retirement savings and like spend down that savings. And then you would, you know, be scrimping and saving while you're waiting for this other social security money. Um, so that was so really, that's a super interesting topic. Um, and there are it's super complex also. And I will say that getting expert input on that topic in particular is very valuable. Excellent information there. Um, Go into one of your other columns. Um, uh, here's one. Is it better to tell your coworkers uh, how much you make or not? Uh, that's a tricky one. I, I do find anecdotally that the younger the colleague, <laughs> the more they're willing to share that information. Uh, yes. What did you find when you wrote this? Yeah, so this was interesting. The reason that I did this one is because there's been so much talk about pay transparency recently. Um, and um, there was supposed to be a new law going into effect, which I think was postponed in New York, where um, companies were going to have to post salaries with their job listings, or maybe they do now. I can't remember actually what the status of it is. But anyway, the point is, there were, there's lots of conversation about salaries and being more public about them. Um, and yes, surveys have shown that um, the younger you are, the more likely you are to want to share your salary with people. Um, and that is a trend. Um, but I think one of the people I spoke to for this pointed out that um, before you do it, you should really ask yourself a few questions. Um, for example, like, why do I want to share this and trying to, um, am I doing it just to like brag or complain about my salary? Then in that case, mm, that's not a good reason to do it. Um, and you should also like ask yourself whether you're prepared to take action. Um, if you find out, like if you share your salary and your coworker tells you who has the same job as you and same level of experience that they make a bunch more money than you do, you're, you might get, uh, upset about that. Um, <clears throat> so you should think about whether or not you have the power to change that situation or whether you, you want to change that situation before you go down that road. Um, and I mean, I think like a, another um, person talked about how um, you can, you don't want to get into a situation where it creates strife with other, with co coworkers, because that can like lead to dissension in your workplace. And um, that means people are going to have a hard time doing their job. Your business isn't going to do as well. Um, so like there's other, there's kind of like these interesting knock-on effects that I hadn't thought about. Um, and yeah, that one, that one was really interesting. Um, I'm, I'm looking okay, at the, at the same time, let's yes. both, both blurt out our salaries. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, okay. Um, oh, I wanted to ask you about you, you had a column today Been so busy today. Um, today's was about, is it better to be a, a, a W2, uh, payroll employee or self-employed? Uh, what did you find there? Yeah, that one was interesting, too. Um, this also is something that's kind of in the news lately because people are 
as we know, a lot of people are quitting their jobs, they're changing jobs, and actually more people are um, be becoming self-employed and going into business for themselves. Um, and so I thought, oh, okay, well, you know, what is it better to be a W-2 employee where you're a full-timer at a company getting benefits and salary, or is it better to go into business for yourself and be a freelancer or an independent contractor? Um, and I think um, for me, this boiled down to uh, the idea of consistency in your finances. Um, I, but this is like, this is a, per, like for me, this, this is a situation where like, I'm personally a risk averse person. <laughs> so I don't, I, I, I find comfort in the um, like stability of my, my job and the regular, the consistency with which I get my paychecks. I think um, other people may find the freedom you get from self-employment to be more attractive. Um, so, but like having written about income volatility in the past and knowing that that is an issue that that can really um, hamper people's financial progress, I went with W-2 employment just because it's consistent um, pay. But I also thought, and I'm not sure if this is right, but it occurred to me that like maybe it's better to be a W-2 employee because it might be easier to separate yourself from your work self um, if you're working for a company than if you're self-employed. If you're self-employed, then you are your job. You know, you're like, you can't separate yourself from your job. And I think people these days are trying harder to like set healthy boundaries between themselves and their, their work selves. Um, and so maybe like sticking in the traditional company employment mode is a better way to do that. I don't know though. I, I think that's open to, to debate. Yeah, I really like that you had someone in there who said, he was able to be self-employed, but in part because his spouse uh, had a full-time job and he could get on their insurance. And I think, you know, in some countries, you don't have to pay uh, out of pocket for health insurance. And it, it's easier, I think, to, 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 to try to go uh, self-employed. But I like that you had that in there because that, that seems to be a big, it's such a big expense that really makes it more uh, doable. Yeah, I mean, actually, like upon reflection, I probably underplayed that a little bit. I mean, I think the like the issue of how much health insurance costs is just like it's very huge and substantial for people. Um, and uh, yeah, that guy was saying like, yes, do it. But um, then he was like, but only do it if you're married to somebody who can put you on their health insurance. Um, that's kind of the ideal situation. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. Um... We're almost out of time. There is a, a late uh, arriving question from Neil. Um, should you convert uh, all of your retirement funds into a Roth IRA? I don't know if you've gotten into Roth in, in this call. Well, actually, I just wrote a financial face-off on this topic that is going to be appearing in our retirement section soon. Oh. Um, and um, the bottom line is it's a good time to do it if you just lost a bunch of money in the markets, if you're um, having a lower income year, um, those are times to do it. So like if you're at the beginning of your career and you're not making it that much money, or if you're at the end of your career and your, your income is down, um, those are good times to do a Roth conversion because a Roth conversion gets taxed as income. So you don't want it to create a situation, a bad tax bill for you. There you have it, Neil. She knew you were coming. <laughs> had a column ready for you. Uh, well, unfortunately that's all the time we have, uh, for today's session. Uh, thank you so much, Leslie. Thank you everyone who came and asked those excellent questions. Um, tomorrow, uh, Baron, Senior Managing Editor Lauren Rublin and Deputy 
Deputy Editor Alex Yule will discuss the outlook for tech companies and individual stocks. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, stay well and have a good day. The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com.